You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hi there, um, and welcome to Ayahuasca Talks. I have a guest host with me today, Guy Crittenden, and I am Rebecca Hayden. And today we are going to talk about before and after effects of ayahuasca. Um, so most of the stories that you hear about ayahuasca has to do with um, ceremony. So when people have um, ingested ayahuasca and they have these experiences, and I'll just give again a brief description of, of what ayahuasca is. Ayahuasca is um, a plant that is grown in South America and used, um, has been used for um, many, many years, thousands of years, um, by indigenous cultures um, as a medicine. Um, but it's a very unique medicine in that it takes a person into an altered state. And um, for many years, um, throughout most of the history of this plant, this was only done by shamans. Um, uh, and the shaman would go into this altered state with the assistance of this plant to uh, to determine how to help a person who came to him or her for help um, with either physical issues or psychological issues. Um, so in recent times, I don't think that it was too long ago now that um, we have people in the West, such as myself and many, many others worldwide, going into these societies and um, and taking ayahuasca um, because it's been remarkable in helping people with um, issues such as depression, addiction, um, PTSD, and anxiety, and, and uh, all kinds of other deep emotional wounds um, are being healed through experiences with these plants. And um, one thing I wanted to mention before we get into the after effects is that I think that one of the reasons why um, we have a rise in, in Western involvement in these kinds of ancient practices involving these plants. It has to do with the fact that we um, we don't have many effective remedies for these kinds of issues that I mentioned, um, and they are m um, more or less becoming a, an epidemic in, in Western societies um, <clears throat> and a newer phenomenon in terms of just the scale of, of how people are suffering from this, how many people are suffering from this today. And um, these indigenous cultures are being encroached upon um, while we are dealing with an overwhelming um, epidemic. Um, now these indigenous cultures are being encroached upon by globalization and, and by the influence of Western media coming into their world. And now their, um, their children and their next generation are now dealing with these modern issues that um, they didn't have to deal with before. And their response, I believe, is, is um, ayahuasca, is their medicine coming into our world and, and helping to heal us. And um, I want to mention how um, the big role that Western media plays in influencing, um, you know, Western uh, influencing societies worldwide and, and, and how it's, you know, becoming a major influence even in these indigenous cultures. Um, when I was in Peru experiencing ayahuasca, one of the female shamans, lovely lady, um, I'll just give you an example, was had this um, child suitcase that she was kind of trailing around behind her with some, with some things in it, some handmade things. 
and and it had like frozen <laughs> it had the, <laughs> the image of the the um, animated film frozen on it like it, it, it our, yeah. our media has reached into this world um, and not that there's anything wrong with frozen per se um, I would get into that in another day <laughs> but um, anyway the fact is that that there are uh, major there, there are major our, our Western media is a major influence um, even in their world and um, it's really important that we have independent media, and I want to thank um, Radio Regent for providing an opportunity for us to have this show and to um, to talk about these kinds of things to change the conversation um, and and become a voice among you know mainstream outlets and and hopefully um, invite people to to join in this particular conversation. So today, um, Guy Crittenden and I were, are going to talk about uh, the experiences we've had outside of the medicine. There are many amazing experiences people have with this medicine. Um, people have visions and deep personal insights come to them um, and all kinds of interesting interactions that um, before the experience they would not believe would be possible. And what we're going to talk about today is the after effects, how these other amazing things happen afterwards that um, <laughs> that defy belief sometimes, but at the same time we're going to show, in, in fact, Guy is going to um, talk about some interesting aspects of quantum physics that, that really um, make it clear that there is evidence, even in mainstream science. Um, I don't know if quantum physics is considered to be mainstream in, uh, at this point, but... Well, Sorry. <laughs> that that's uh, the Department of uh, Science in Ottawa calling to <laughs> saying, "How dare you say question whether quantum physics is mainstream?" Or not. Well, we're going to have to go and leave you with some ambient music while we take this call. Just a moment. Wow! Hi, we're back. All right. We were hoping that was somebody calling in to talk to us, but it wasn't. But that reminds me that I was going to read out the phone number for people who do want to call the show after about 3.30. We'll uh, wait for us to announce it, but we will uh, welcome uh, listeners to call in at the following number. Get your pen ready, and I will read the number later again. It's 647 344 4134. That's 647-344-4134. Okay, so um, we were talking about the experiences that happen afterwards. I'm just going to give you a basic introduction um, why we're doing this today. Um, because it, we're doing it not only to reveal that these extraordinary things are happening to people, but to inspire others to tell their stories. These things that are happening to us and to many others worldwide defy so many typical preconceptions about everyday life, about our world, and about humanity and our very existence. The implication of these experiences are immense. Um, many of us are coming out of plant experiences realizing that we've been approaching life from a position that is upside down and backwards. It becomes really clear in, during the ceremonies um, to many of us that this is true. And, and once people pick up on this um, new way of seeing and experiencing the world, um, I think that they'll be able to tap, tap into potentially um, a deeper um, sense of knowledge that, that I think that we all have. My, my sense is that my sense after I first came back from Peru was 
I hadn't realized the degree to which we really do live in a matrix. And uh, without being conspiratorial about it, I think it's fair to say that the um, materialist capitalist system that we're in um, trains us to maintain what Graham Hancock calls the uh, alert problem-solving state of mind because this is what serves the needs of business, corporations, and so on. Um, we didn't grow up in a culture that, I mean, I don't know what kind of school you went to, but I don't remember uh, getting uh, training in the 5D and learning about uh, uh, the energy body or any of the kind of spiritual things. And that, that's all always assumed, I guess, because in, our, in North America, anyway, we have a, a separation of um, religion and the schools for the most part. And, and for the most part, I agree with that. But what's happened is... Um, we've uh, become prisoners, in a sense, of our own minds. And until we do something to break out of the status quo way of thinking, um, uh, we don't realize how much we are embedded in this kind of problem-solving matrix that is wonderful for the bottom line for corporations, but it does very little for our spiritual growth. And actually, it creates a lot of problems that we become aware of when we <laughs> when we do these medicines. And that I think, you know, underneath it all, we are, we are aware that there's a lot of problems. And um, obviously, and I think it's been said well, that we have to use a different kind of thinking if we want to get out of those problems and stop recreating them. So, um, uh, Guy, I wanted you to, to tell us about um, some of these experiences that you had after the fact, so you're back home. Yeah, um, you know, I had signed up to uh, to go and drink ayahuasca as part of a of a, uh, an Amazon tour that we spoke about uh, the last time I was on, and you know, there was very little talk of spirituality or shamanism when I was uh, at the retreat center in Peru, and nobody gave me any kind of heads up that. Uh, these were really spiritual and shamanic experiences and not simply psychedelic experiences, although, of course, these things always overlap. So I came home to Canada, and several months after I was back, I was lying in bed one morning at about 4 a.m., and I woke up, and but I was it was still absolutely dark in my room, and I started seeing red and green uh, geometric lines on the back of my eyelids, uh, and this became the first of a series of phenomena that started off as visual, where I, I felt like I was on the medicine. So I did some research, and I found out that since the active ingredient in um, uh, 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 ayahuasca is dimethyltryptamine, which is a natural endogenous uh, um, chemical in the brain that makes us dream, it also is released in massive amounts when we have a near-death experience, or NDE. Um, at, at about 4 a.m., that's when you have your rapid eye movement or REM sleep. So what was happening is the medicine had sensitized me to my own brain's uh, DMT, and so I was able to start journeying on my own naturally occurring DMT. So I was actually having psychoactive experiences without plant medicine. And that was just the start. And then a whole series of other phenomena started to encroach and intrude in my life. Some of them uh, not 
particularly welcome, but not unwelcome either. They were bizarre. I would have this white light, for example, that would appear, and it looked kind of like an aurora borealis, and it would strobe over my whole body. And it, at certain times, it would be incredibly bright, and it would fill my entire visual plane, and I'd have to pinch myself to make sure I wasn't asleep. So I went online and I joined some uh, communities where shamans get together and discuss uh, the various things that happen to them in altered states. And um, my friend Brendan Ring, who's a Celtic harp player from Ireland, but he lives in France, uh, shared a lot of interesting information with me about uh, kundalini energy, uh, because he's also a yogi as well as someone who's worked with the teacher plants. And so I gradually began to realize that some of the th things I was experiencing were the kinds of things that happen to people who practice uh, yoga, you know, not in the kind of uh, fitness studio style we do here in North America, but who do it as the deep spiritual practice and meditative practice. So that was the, that was the first one was the, the geometry and the white light. Right. I, I can relate to that, actually. This is the first time you mentioned this to me, and I'm so glad you did because... Even before I did medicines, um, after I did a, a shamanistic workshop, um, <clears throat> I that's what happened to me before I went to sleep. You know, so just in that theta state when you're just falling mm -hmm. into sleep, and and um, at the beginning it, w it wasn't so colorful, but when I started to contemplate doing the medicines, that's when it became colorful. So there, and and other people have reported different things that happen with them in advance of doing the medicine. But you had also mentioned um, um, hearing um, an animal sound. <laughs> when it, oh, yeah. yeah Why don't you tell well, that story? Well, I'm, I'm a very visual, <coughs> visual person, so um, I, I sort of was noticing visual stuff. And then one night, um, I was at a girlfriend's house, and I was sound asleep. And it might have been about 2 in the morning, and I woke up, like, just sat up in bed because there was the sound of what sounded like a lion or some kind of, uh, pre you know, cat, like a major predator mm -hmm. ripping apart an antelope or something, and the animal was screaming, and you know, the cat was going, <laughs> you know, those wild cat <laughs> sounds. And it was, it was amazing. Like, I was actually terrified, and I, and it, I had this sort of... Um, uh, weird moment where I realized this doesn't make logical sense. How could there be a mountain lion or something in the hallway? And I noticed that the girlfriend was asleep and my dog was asleep at the end of the bed and he normally jumps right out of bed if, the, if somebody rattles the door handle or something. So I realized that this was an audio hallucination and yeah, I was obviously very open to some other realm, whether you want to call it a spirit realm or some kind of Higher consciousness, or yeah, you know, consciousness, a portal, and it, you know, it, it that then was part and parcel of two other things. I, I want to uh, get to at least at some point. One is the uh, I wanted to mention the eleven eleven phenomenon, and I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the spirit animal because that was something. I, I, neither of those things were things I knew about before the trip. Sure, and. <coughs> <clears throat> yeah, I didn't know much about any of this stuff before I got into it. I just did so because I wanted to address my depression. 
um, and and I still don't really read a great deal about it. Um, most of it, the knowledge that I've come by is through the experiences with the medicines themselves. Hmm. But I wanted to say something about this auditory experience, and I don't know. I mean, do you, I don't know if you feel it's a hallucination, but we'll get into that maybe when we're talking about. Yeah, I always say that stuff. word in in air <coughs> quotes because what's a, what's a hallucination to someone is. Uh, uh, an experience of reality in another sense. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that happened to me when I took this uh, shamanism workshop, um, I, I couldn't journey. A lot of people were journeying with this sonic drumming. Um, and people can do that. They can go into altered states with this. And, mm -hmm. and I wasn't, you know, and it was a very frustrating experience. And finally, the um, the practitioner who was leading uh, the workshop took pity on me, and he he performed this healing on me, where he connected me with this helping spirit. Again, I had no frame of reference whatsoever. All I was doing was lying there and letting him do stuff, you know, just over my body, no touching, nothing, just this stuff I didn't understand. And afterwards, um, we had one more session where we went and journeyed before this whole workshop was over. And during that time, um, I, I this this animal that w was my spirit animal that was told it was a bird, a certain kind of bird. And then we go into journey again. I was fully convinced that I was still not going to be able to do anything. And, and for the most part, that was true. However, I did hear a bird tweet. But at the time, because my brain didn't quite get, didn't put those things together, I quickly opened my eyes and looked around to, to see whose running shoes were like squeaking together. I was trying to find <laughs> some explanation for the sound that I was hearing and that was the only and nobody was wearing running shoes anywhere near me yeah. and, and I, yeah I did some strange things to try to verify that this sound wasn't what I thought it was and sure enough of course it was you know and, and people like you and others have had these experiences. Um, so I would definitely want you to go into the 1111. <laughs> yeah, the 1111 really one, cool. that one was powerful in the sense that I'd never even heard of this. I, now I'd, I'd heard of people seeing sacred numbers before. I'd heard of that, but I'd never heard of the, the 1111 phenomenon. You know, some, there's numerologists and they'll look at your uh, street address and the numbers of your phone and the things and they'll read things into it. But um, yeah, I just, uh, it was the fall of the year after I'd come back from Peru and I had drank ayahuasca a few times in Canada and I started every time I looked up sometimes for days on end every time I looked at a digital clock it was 11:11, <laughs> and you know the skeptics will say well a broken clock is right twice a day and you know oh you were looking for it but I really wasn't and <laughs> I, I, I was actually like the worst spiritual student imaginable because <laughs> I had the universe had to clobber me over the head with this thing and I and so I started seeing I you know I'd be in the subway and I'd get my transfer for the streetcar and it would the time stamp or or even the route number would be something like 11 11 or I'd pay for a restaurant meal and the change would be eleven dollars and eleven cents <laughs> and it just kept showing up I I I, I was uh, house sitting for my brother while he was in, in South in Central America once, and um, I turned. The, I was thinking about this, and then I turned the corner, and there was a pizza pizza store with a man holding a sign saying eleven eleven, because those are the last digits of the right. phone number. And I thought, and at that moment, I thought to check the time on my 
cell phone and it was 1111. <laughs> that really blew my mind. And I thought, okay, this is crazy. So that, I, I told you this, I thought that same night, it was a really strong day for this. I was walking to an, uh, an Irish pub that's around the corner from his place. And I was actually, and it's important, by the way, to always notice not just the numbers if this ever happens to you, but what you're thinking when it happens, because there's a correlation. So I was thinking as I walked along Carlton Street, how many different ways can the universe communicate 1111 to me? <laughs> and as I thought that, there was this guy standing in a, under an awning of a restaurant as I walked by him, and he's the only guy on the street, he leans forward and he says right in my ear, one, 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 <laughs> one. And then he goes back into the, under the awning and I, I keep walking the pond and I go, oh my God, he just said 11, 11. Like it, and that was the one, that moment, that made me realize this is real. <laughs> this is a real thing. And, and, you know, and then it went away for a while, but uh, it comes back in waves. And I actually hung out with a shaman friend of mine in Perth, Ontario last week for a couple of days and we had these long fascinating conversations and when I came home 1111 started showing up and it and it also shows up as other sacred numbers uh, like when I came back from Perth it was 12 12 10 10 1 2 3 4 and uh, you know people are gonna say oh now you're just looking for it and la 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 no, it, like imagine every time you check a clock, it's not like a random time. It's always some combination of these symmetrical numbers, or like one, two, two, one. And oh. anyway, anyway, that was a, that was a really interesting phenomenon, and that was the beginning of my realizing there was no escaping this altered reality that I now live in. I'm just not in the same universe really that I used to be back when I wasn't awake. And I'm so glad that you're telling this story because I've had similar experiences. I mean, not with numbers, um, but, uh, you know, through, I think, many of us who have had ayahuasca experiences, we realize they communicate with you in the ways that are most appropriate, that you'll get, you mm -hmm. know, that part of you is going to be open to. And um, with me, it's, um, well, <laughs> there's this ongoing dialogue that continued from, you know, my ayahuasca experience. And it, as if that wasn't enough, I think you and I are well suited to have these discussions because I just, you know, I want proof. I want, you know, I, I, I'm getting over that, but the doubt, it still comes. Oh, yeah. It takes a long time to validate this stuff. First, you think you're losing your mind. Then you think you're conning yourself. And all it takes is somebody who's skeptical to, especially if they happen to be a psychologist or they have a background They'll, they'll come up with a rational materialist explanation, and, but I'm telling you, the, the spirit animal <laughs> was the one that was the last nail in the coffin for my doubt. Um, I, what that, how that started, uh, I found, you know, I'm a writer, so I'd spend a lot of time in front of the computer, and one day I just was having trouble reading the text on the screen and I had to stop editing because something was interfering with my ability to see and it, it was sort of this little tiny area of wateriness um, in the just off of the center of my visual field and I as I sort of closed my eyes and sat back in my chair I noticed it was a white light and it got bigger and bigger and then I realized it wasn't just a white light it was a sort of undulating C-shaped object with black stripes on it 
<laughs> so then this thing gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, it looks like it's coming from a mile away. And then it just gets bigger and bigger until it fills, like, initially 50% of my visual field. And now I realize it's a snake. Oh, cool. It's a, <laughs> and, and when I say white, I'm not talking about white paint. I'm talking about welder's arc, brilliant light, like absolute pure white radiance. And the black triangular markings, actually, they were, um, were absolutely black. And anyway, then it gets bigger and bigger, and then it eventually fills my whole visual field and then flies in the top of my head. And, and, and this thing takes Beautiful. this thing takes like 20 minutes to happen and so the first time it happened I just didn't know what to make of it I thought is this kind of some kind of weird um, you know headache or something and I, I thought maybe I've been staring at the computer too long well then it started happening almost every day for months right. and at any time of day or night I might be driving I might be working I had to pull over the car and I'd have to close my eyes and just wait for it to this phenomenon to pass and then again I spoke to my shaman friends and they said well this is obviously you know uh, something from the other dimension trying to communicate to you you're going to have to do a lot of work to figure out its message and is it calling you back to ayahuasca and so on and so forth. So. Right because ayahuasca often takes the shape of um, a serpent or a snake. Yeah so so I ended up um, developing a relationship with this animal and it goes away at periods of time because uh, actually when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my integration work and and doing like environmental protection activities and volunteering and all the things the medicine has told me to do uh, the snake doesn't come around much and I realized oh, cool. that that's, <laughs> that's because I'm do I am the snake and I'm doing that work of the snake but if I, if I stray off my path and get totally caught up in 3D world and mundane things, it starts appearing again. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, so I'm really glad you mentioned that because um, I think that there is a... The, the people might get this impression, and I don't really like to get carried away with anticipating people's impressions, but, you know, they, they are, are also a reflection of our former selves and the kinds of things that we have to put down our, our, our self-doubt. Um, but, you know, people might get the impression it was just, like, fanciful stuff. And not that that's irrelevant. I think that, you know, there, that there's something to be said for having more magic and joy in our lives. And, and every experience I've had, which has been extensive now with, with this medicine, um, has taught me that, that we, we really do need a lot more fun and fantasy in our, in our lives. But it's not just that. There's, as you say, there's this component to it that's really, really important that um, it, there's a message, there's something to be said. And when you follow it, when you discover what that message is, you know, it has the potential for changing your life in, in wonderful ways. And, and this has been ongoing for me. Um, I related to um, that visual effect, although it was very different for me. It was just um i i found myself in um in mexico at the um <coughs> teotihuacan um pyramids okay and i was doing a retreat there um no medicine before i i, I was actually going to do peyote so this was pre peyote experience and but many people have reported interesting mm -hmm. experiences around those sacred areas yeah and um, there I was walking the grounds, and, and I'm looking down, and the ground starts to to develop the, this wave-like impression. So the grass is, is, is going in waves, um, and that's the visual effect I'm seeing. And I just looked up at the sky and looked around and looked down again, thinking it'll disappear, and that was just a blip. 
whatever that's supposed to mean, as though mm. the word blip is going to explain the fact that I just had this visual experience. Anyway, it was still there. And it wasn't upsetting. I think I was, there's part of me just trying to figure it out. Um, and I didn't think much of it. Um, and I, I traveled a bit before I went and did peyote. And I, there was another town I went to before I went into the desert. And I started to think about um, peyote and what that experience would be like. And as I went to sleep that night, I got these visuals, these colorful visuals. And they were very geometric, too, but they were very distinctive. And there was part of me that was really curious about about what that was all about. And, and I, I had my phone with me, and I went online. And I looked up peyote, and <clears throat> all of these visuals that I was seeing with my eyes closed were represented in the Wicholi people, who is oh. the indigenous culture that does peyote. <laughs> yeah, all that, all the, the visuals so that you get. So it's like you had a, an experience <clears throat> of precognition. Yep of what was going to happen. And I've had that with Iboga, too. So just before I went to sleep, when I was anticipating doing Iboga, I, I asked I, I asked questions before I go to sleep as though, like, I create an intention and I do dream work, right? Like, we're going into a ceremony. So um, I asked, is Iboga for me? And just as I was falling asleep, I got this wild psychedelic animation thing going on. It was fabulous. And, yeah. and then when I did Iboga, um, that was my first half-hour experience of that that psychedelic so I've had those things happen and this wavy stuff um, was just a one-time thing at that point and then after I came back from Peru um, ayahuasca gave me homework and so it involved breathing these breathing exercises and intentions and a lot of healing work a lot of emotional stuff I, th I think so. a lot of these um, things that can these, these don't these, these things don't happen to everyone uh, I certainly didn't ask for any of this when I went on my trip to South America. So it all caught, it totally changed my life and it caught me off guard. And I wouldn't have believed that this would have been happening. Um, At all. It's, me neither. <laughs> the, the way I interpret a lot of it is it's like nudges from a kind of universal consciousness, which I think is what we encounter mm -hmm. on ayahuasca. We may call it mother ayahuasca, but that's a sort of, that's how we might think of it because we're working with that particular teacher plant. Um, but I think they're nudges to move, guide us on the path. People can, I don't, uh, people can encounter spirit guides that take on human form. Um, I know shamans who have their guides that they consult or animal form. I do, yeah. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the uh, uh, things that happened to me as well, um, I remember one night waking up uh, and uh, having a lot of dreams and having trouble falling back to sleep. And I was really tired. And as I started to drift to sleep, this voice said, very much like a medicine <laughs> voice said, mm -hmm. you cannot fall asleep until you write down this word. And, the, and it said the words are Kaya Ulu, Kaya Ulu. And I said, oh, what, what? What the hell? And I, I fumbled around in the dark. I couldn't find a pen or a piece of paper. So I just sat on the edge of the, and I tried to go back to sleep and ignore this message, and it wouldn't let up. So I, I ended up sitting at the edge of the bed going, Kaya Ulu, Kaya Ulu. Anyway, so the next morning I go online and I, talk, I try to look up the meaning of this word. There were some Sanskrit versions, because I didn't know how it was spelled. Um, th there was an interesting S Sanskrit interpretation. But I, anyway, I p told this little story on this shamanic uh, community group on Facebook and went away and did some errands and came back and somebody had left a message and said, 
go to the Hawaiian English dictionary <laughs> and look up what it's what it means if you spell it this way. So I I went on to that page, and it meant community of God. Cool. <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah, that one. <laughs> the hair stu stood up on the back of my neck, and I I mean I still have. I don't know what it means. Maybe it means I need to go and study Hawaiian shamanism. Maybe there's a community there for me, or maybe it's just another way. But here I am lying in bed, and I'm being communicated in a language I don't know, something that is very significant. And interestingly, really at that time in my life, I was looking for community, right? So... Well, you know, I, I would recommend next time if something like that happened is to ask the question, what does this mean as you're going to sleep and see what happens in your yes. dreams? Um, so we're going to take a very short break and we'll be back shortly. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at RadioRegent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at RebeccaHayden.com. All right, so we are back, and guys, just going to read the phone number just in case anybody wants to uh, call in and join us with their um, 
their ayahuasca after effects experiences. Yeah. So uh, if you call, uh, please feel free to ask questions or share your experience. Uh, keep the uh, keep your stories fairly short, but we want to hear from you. The phone number is 647-344-4134. That's 647-344-4134. And if nobody calls, I think Rebecca and I are quite <laughs> able to fill the space because we have lots to talk about and, and lots of stories. And during that break, uh, Rebecca, you were mentioning that things like are describing the uh, 1111 phenomenon might spark something for people. I would w caution people it's not some it's not really something you should go looking for because then it's not authentic. You, I found every time I I would sort of think about it and look at the clock uh, it was not meaningful. And I would I wouldn't find it. It was always something that was thrust upon me. So these and other phenomena can show up in your life and you need to know that there are resources out there for strange paranormal things that might show up. There are online uh, uh, websites, chat groups um, for all kinds of things, including um, ayahuasca groups on Facebook, uh, shamanic communities of various kinds on social media. Yeah. And they can be very, very useful. I often, I often report my experiences or where I post questions and I get lots of good answers. That's great to know. Um, yeah, and, and it's true. Like, just open up to the possibility and you'd be amazed at what happens. Um, so uh, there are numbers there. Are, with me, it was music sometimes, too. Um, when I was in Peru, I had these songs going through my head. And it, one night, it finally occurred to me that I hadn't been in a store or listen to any kind of recorded music for such a long time. Where was this coming from? And and once I clued in, I started to realize that there were these messages in the songs that were definitely related to the kinds of concerns that I had my intentions for going there, right? Mm. And this continues. And, and like you said, um, the repetition, you know, and it, it, you can reject something once or, or twice, but, you know, eventually it, it, it pronounces itself so loudly that it can't be ignored. I have a supposedly random shuffle that is not random anymore. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like when I, I asked about, I have a set of, of guides, and I don't always know all of them by name. I, I, I tend to have an idea when Ayahuasca is talking to me, and there are other people, I, I couldn't possibly tell you who they are, but the truth of the matter is it, it really doesn't matter. They give me great advice, and, and that's all that really matters is the outcome. But... Um, one point I, I was asking about a situation with somebody who I was um, considering dating and um, I was, I was, I, I think I, deep down I knew that this was an absolute mistake, but I asked anyway and I, I was playing music and three songs in a row played with the song Liar in it. <laughs> <laughs> Lying, liar. <laughs> I didn't know I had that many songs That's actually funny. that had that word in it. And I realized, you know, I was, I was totally deceiving myself. I some, mean, there's some, no question. <laughs> some of what we're speaking about is validated by, uh, by science. And I'll just refer briefly to it. Um, I th 
I've found my, a lot of my interest in spirituality actually came from readings in science and physics of all things. And, you know, I don't want to lose half the audience by talking about physics because people, they hear that and they think of their boring science teacher in high school that turned them off science for the rest of their lives or, <laughs> or they think they're going to have to understand equations and things. But I've done a, recently a very deep dive in quantum physics. I've read a number of books. Uh, I highly recommend Irvin Laszlo's book, Science and the Akashic Field. Uh, that is one of the most profound books you will ever encounter, and it's written in, in terms that any lay person can understand. And it connects the dots with a lot of uh, modern physics and quantum physics and concepts that we used to think of as spiritual. Um, another person who uh, I recommend, I'm re right now I'm a reading a trilogy by... Um, uh, Tom Campbell called My Big Toe, and Toe is just, he's just being humorous. Toe is short for theory of everything. And Campbell is a former NASA physicist, and he, he can, um, and he has many, many long talks, excellent talks on YouTube that you can find. It's Campbell with a P. And basically, uh, the Things like the double slits experiment and uh, something called the um, delayed choice quantum eraser is um, uh, are available uh, are, are explained by him in detail, and um, I highly recommend people look into that work because it, what it looks like is that we are living in. Uh, a world of quantum field or a world made up of information. So th it turns out that there, and this is not even very controversial in the realm of physics, there is no such thing as physical matter in the way we think of it. We're, we have a zero, I'm not going to geek on about this too much, but uh, when, when scientists examine particles, things like photons and electrons, they kept thinking that it was matter with a charge of energy. Well, what it turns out, it's a zero point. So what does that all mean for us here talking about ayahuasca? It means basically that we're living in a world made up of information. And if we're living in a world of information and not matter, and if consciousness is, is uh, if matter's an epiphenomenon of consciousness, not the other way around, then a lot of these paranormal type of experiences start to become things that we can explain. And, and, and so we can talk about things uh, now like telepathy, which has been scientifically proven, like uh, things like strange coincidences and things. Um, and, and I think we're going to get into that definitely um, when we... When we come back, we're going to take just a little short break here with some ambient music, and we'll talk about maybe even um, some more after effects. Awesome. Just more.
second that was ambient music by Lee Rosevere, um, and it's beautiful stuff that was called Let Go. I love the titles of his songs. <laughs> so appropriate. Um, yeah, so anyway, I, I gave the little pitch there for uh, people to investigate quantum physics because the truth is that a lot of people who would be interested in working with uh, sh psychedelic plants may not really be approaching this from the idea of, uh, as I am, of wanting to experience the divine or God or the Brahma consciousness. That might not be their trip, but uh, they might be more open to um, appreciating um, these experiences from a, from a phenomenological point of view with, with science, and there's some great resources out there. So check out Tom Camel, and even if you just go on uh, YouTube and and type in, um, you know, the, uh, the quantum eraser, you will find out some stuff that will reveal that we are living in a universe that is much, much stranger than we think. And it's, uh, so when people like Rebecca and I are talking <laughs> about 1111 phenomenon and all this wacky Shirley MacLaine Spirit type stuff, stuff. <laughs> um, it's, we're, we're not, uh, we're not as offside of, science as you might think. And if science is your thing, then um, definitely tune in on the 14th because I'm going to have uh, Amit Goswami here, Dr. Amit Goswami, who is a quantum oh, physicist. Oh, yeah, I set that up nicely, didn't I? And <laughs> what, <laughs> definitely, and what I also wanted to say is that if, if science isn't your thing, you know, I mean, the, if science is, okay, so <laughs> one of the many, many questions that I've asked with this constant guidance um, is, is what is science? And science is a language and mm -hmm. it may not be your language it's it's not mine i'm i'm fascinated by it but not to the degree where that is is second nature to me to me it's philosophy and you know what we've discovered with these plants is when people go into these experiences um, and even come out of them as we're discovering these whatever presence or higher consciousness is is um i uh, associated with you will find a way to reach you in a language you understand, you know, in a way that is that is second nature to you, that is something that will reach you. They will find a way. Um, and, and for me, it's been many different ways. Um, I think, um, you know, today we've used the word integration and, uh, and some of what th these phenomenon we've spoken about <coughs> is uh, Maybe it's not clear to people how this relates to integration work. But well, actually, when people are using the word integration these days, though, um, they are using a word to describe uh, deliberate work that's being done, mm -hmm. like when people come home and saying, okay, so I went into ayahuasca to address you know, these certain issues, and they come back, and they're like, okay, the experience is over, and now they have to see what they can do with that experience in their life to change their life so that whatever it is that brought them to the medicine isn't, you know, still um, being a problem in their lives. And, and as you've stated with your own experience, some people go in without thinking they have any kind of problem, you right. know, and they get introduced to these things about themselves. Um, with me, it was very much, um, you know, I've had experiences that, that you can relate to, and I would call them integrative um, and as you can because of the fact that even though there's cool stuff that we talk about and we laugh about and we think it's, it's kind of interesting, um, there's almost always underlying it. If you're willing to see deeper, there, there's a message. There's something that can help you in your life very, in a very practical way, you know, if you're willing to do it. And it's not always easy, you know. There these, these guides that we have, these, this presence that, that we can, um, this higher consci consciousness that we can tap into, 
is asking us to, to make some very serious changes in our lives most of the time. I mean, if you want anything to change, you've, you've got to be willing to make some changes. Yeah, I think... And they're uh, not always easy. <laughs> if uh, one thing, just as an example, there's many different things. I think a lot of people, for example, would could find that um, if they uh, develop a meditation practice or a regular yoga practice, that can be just that I just offer that as an example of something that can assist in the integration process. Oh, sure. Like, actually, people have had many incredible experiences with meditation that, that I've talked to and, and all kinds of other methods. This is not the only way, but it, it's, it's one that, that, you know, we've both experienced and feel, um, feel um, you know, deeply powerful about, you know, that that's worth getting the message out there that this, these kinds of things are happening. I think, I think even just even raising awareness that there is going to be integration work to do is important because some people, you know, they'll answer, the, they'll answer the call to go down to uh, South America and uh, they'll, they'll drink the medicine without realizing that when they come back, they may have uh, integration to do with their life and that their life is going to change and their life could change in dramatic ways. So I just wanted to mention um, another example of, of something that happened to me that had a message with it. Mm -hmm. And this is a message that wasn't just for me. They're usually just, you know, for people on a personal level. But um, during the time that I was depressed, I was looking, I was doing some deep investigations. I was, I was doing my own um, documentary about, you know, global corruption and deep politics and and it, it got me deeper and deeper into depression, actually. And mm. I, I had gone into it hoping that I could, um, that I could help people. And, um, and I didn't find myself doing that. And I found myself just becoming scared and depressed. And um, so it, it took a long time to crawl out of that. And, and I did the medicine. I've had these wonderful experiences. And, and now I found myself in a great community um, and um, a community of activists, people, you know, working on the environment, working on all kinds of um, socially innovative ways uh, to address some, some issues that we have in society in, in really creative, wonderful ways. Um, but the, the activist component, when things happen like Islamophobia and there's, you know, violence attached and people are talking about it in the news, which, you know, I, I choose my media very carefully. I don't involve myself in that mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. But now in this great community, I find myself not able to avoid um, these discussions and, and um, all of those old feelings, not half, not anywhere close to being as passionate, but <laughs> some mm -hmm. of those old feelings started to rise in me, like the anger and right. the frustration and all of that. And I, I, and I was trying to figure out what, what do I do with this? And, and I asked um, for guidance about this. And um, the response came by me writing it down. Now, <clears throat> just a bit of background on that. Um, when I came back from um, ayahuasca the first time, I, I was guided to do some strange things. One of them was to go see a psychic, and I was a very specific one in a place that I walked by um, often. Mm -hmm. And I was very reluctant to do this, but <laughs> I did, and it was a good experience. And, and I don't know how seriously I took it, but one of the things this woman said was, um, it's important for you to write and do it longhand with pencil. Huh. And again, I don't know how seriously I took it at the time. Anyway, fast forward, I go into another ayahuasca, ayahuasca ceremony, and ayahuasca herself says, <laughs> you know, do everybody a favor and pick up your pencil and put it to paper. Yeah. It was very um, strongly stated, so I went home. I found myself um, struggling with this issue um, 
and and these feelings that were arising again about th these you know these harmful things happening in the world and and I said okay here I am with my pencil in hand um, and and I'm asking you for you know what to do about this and so here is the response I'm going to read out what ayahuasca said oh, okay here and we it's, go. and you'll be able to tell that this is not my regular speech or writing. All right. Her response is, the beast within you knows that outer beast. They are friends. They work together to stage battles that we attend. If we were to change the rules and no longer allow these beasts an arena in which to hold their battles, the audience would leave and the show would be over. No more spectacle to engage in. Our beast, the beast within us, answers the battle call always in the name of peace. If we vanquish the beast within, we will have fought our last battle. When you hear the call to battle, seek out the beast within that responds. This beast needs your love and attention. It's the only way to end the battles. Wow. These battle cries and responses are symptoms of a deeper problem that we're not addressing. We never will address the deeper problem if we allow these battles to continue. We have proven this time and again. Oh, come on, Rebecca. You just talk that way all the time. I you? do, yeah. That's my casual way of, like, hanging with people. Sue, no, how's your beast? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, uh, what do you feel, like, in a nutshell, what does that mean to you? You've obviously thought about that since. I have. Well, the beast they're talking about is the anger. That's what was making me feel so, so um, concerned because when I was doing all these investigations, and I, I think that you have an idea of, of what this is like because I've read some of your stuff, too, mm. Um, I've eliminated all that stuff but because of the experiences that I've had with it. Um, but um, it, it would bring out some ugly sides of me that wanted, you know, justice. And, and, and that's a lovely mm -hmm. word for revenge. And, um, and, and I've learned so many things that were, have reversed my thinking about all of that and that has healed a lot of that part of me um, and introduced the idea to me that, all of this world that we're seeing is just a reflection of this illness inside of us. And if we, we keep going outside of ourselves for answers, we're, we're just going to lead to more problems. So I think the beast they're talking about is my own, my own anger, that reflection, the, the, the thing that wants to fight back. Mm. And that's how these battles start <laughs> to begin with, is, is the fighting response. You know? And if we, if we cultivate that, we're going to be creating the same problems that we're trying to solve. You know? Well, I, I think uh, you make a good point about writing. I mean, I'm a writer anyway, but I would say to people, you don't have to be a professional writer. Or, you know, a lot of people are uptight about writing. But <laughs> if you, I, th I found, just as, um, uh, as an aside, um, you know, I've written this book about my experiences, and I found that the act of writing, and the, the book was based on every, every time I had an ayahuasca ceremony, I would, the next day I would sit down for several hours and I'd write down everything that I could remember. And in editing the book, I was, it, I was forced to, over and over again, reread about each of the ceremonies I participated in, at least the first 12. And there was so much that I'd forgotten. Yeah, there, there was so happens. And there was so much that changed my life and I'm still integrating from that and having th this is like a, a grandma's tickle trunk in the attic like this <laughs> is a treasure trove oh yeah that I can keep going back to and I'll remember oh yes remember I was supposed to 
do this to honor women, and I was supposed <laughs> to do that. And, and I read it, and it sort of reminds me, and it gets me back on you know, doing the work that I ultimately have to do. Because in, at the end of the day, um, for me, I won't speak for other people, uh, working with teacher plants is not about obsessing about getting to the next ceremony and thinking, oh, well, I'm only having a spiritual experience when I am in the thrall of the medicine. <laughs> yeah. What it's all about, and any serious curandero will tell you this, it's the work that you implement back in your community, in your own life, your own healing, but also healing and helping your community. And so I would, just as a, as a tip from someone who's derived a lot of benefit from writing, um, write about your experiences. Keep a journal if you can p summon the energy to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and you will see patterns in what you write down over time. And maybe two or three years later, you'll, you'll see things that changed in your life and, and you'll be able to track them through your writing. Yeah, and, and next week, actually, we're going to be talking more about integration and people's experiences after ayahuasca with Dr. Rachel Harris, who's also authored a book called Listening to Ayahuasca, and I can't think of anything more appropriate mm -hmm. than um, her, the author of Listening to Ayahuasca interviewing on Ayahuasca Talks. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. So um, I, I agree about the writing or recording in some ways. There were some times I came out of my ceremony and given my condition, all I could do was actually use my phone to just record yeah, me yeah. speaking about... That's, <laughs> That's a great idea, too. Just record in a voice memo app on your phone. Right. But you're right, though. Writing is probably even better because uh, technology is not always reliable. In fact, you know, there's a whole other segment we could do on how technology has changed. Yeah, that's a good idea, <laughs> Because, um, you know, we have this electric body and, and we're giving off, you know, these charges and you come back... I don't know if you've noticed this, but you come back from ceremony, and and it's it's increased. Like I, yeah. I, I noticed this. I went to the Eaton Center after an Iboga um, retreat, and I set off every single alarm in every <laughs> store. <laughs> wow. It was crazy. Yeah, it was really funny. My son thought it was hilarious. Yeah, the energy body. That's the story. You know, one time we'll have to do a program on the energy body and astral travel and all oh, that kind sure. of stuff. Uh, we will have time, uh, for sure. Just as a teaser, I, I was working with edible cannabis and had the experience of sitting up in my body. So, Oh, yeah, we will definitely have to go into more of this because I have some stories there, too. All right. Okay, so um, thanks so much for, for those of you who are listening and for those of you who are listening to the podcast. And please feel free to um, to get in touch and to um, join me on my website at RebeccaHayden.com. And thank you to Radio Regent for allowing us to have this show. And uh, thanks again for joining us. <laughs>